ora and welcome to Requisite Words. I'm Peter Ravlich, and you're listening to a podcast about poetry. You're listening to this pod, so you're likely familiar with Patrick Stewart's recent A Sonnet a Day initiative, where he's been working his way through performing all 154 of Shakespeare's sonnets. For the past week, I've been summarising each of these daily poems for my wife, who is incredibly patient with me, but less so with Shakespearean language and idiom. Unfortunately, Sir Patrick is currently up to Sonnet 95, and this part of the sequence, while containing some beautiful works, is also deeply paranoid and potentially anxiety-inducing. I'd like to share a few of the more uplifting and just generally lovely sonnets, from Shakespeare's sequence, along with what I've been calling the Lisa versions. I'm quite certain I've shared Sonnet 18 before, and it is the best known of Shakespeare's sonnets, but I'd still like to start with it and number 17. The early part of Shakespeare's sequence is an appeal for the speaker's beloved young man to procreate, and in doing so, to immortalise his beauty. In a precedent that will continue throughout the sequence, the speaker then attempts to find an alternate solution. What if the young man does not have children? How can his beauty be immortalised? Sonnet 17 is an attempt to impose a dual solution, and might be seen as a bridge from go forth and multiply to I'm an amazing writer, I can just preserve you here. But ideally, let's do both and build in some redundancy. Sonnet 18, as the most famous of the sonnets today, is both signifier and signified. It is the single enduring image of Shakespeare's young man sequence, which is precisely what it posits. Sonnet 17 Who will believe my verse in time to come? If it were filled with your most high desarts. Though yet heaven knows, it is but as a tomb, Which hides your life, and shows not half your parts. If I could write the beauty of your eyes, And in fresh numbers number all your graces, The age to come would say, This poet lies. Such heavenly touches, near-touched earthly faces. So should my papers, yellowed with their age, be scorned, Like old men of less truth than tongue. And your true rights be termed a poet's rage, And stretched metre of an antique song. But... Were some child of yours alive that time, you should live twice, in it and in my rhyme. Sonnet 18 Shall I compare thee to a summer's day? Thou art more lovely and more temperate. Rough winds do shake the darling buds of May, And summer's lease hath all too short a date. Sometime too hot the eye of heaven shines, 
and often is his gold complexion dimmed. And every fair from fair sometime declines, by chance, or nature's changing course untrimmed. But thy eternal summer shall not fade, nor lose possession of that fair thou owest. Nor shall death brag thou wanderest in his shade, when in eternal lines to time thou growest. So long as men can breathe, or eyes can see, so long lives this, and this gives life to thee. And it turns out I can't stop there, because Sonnet 19 is also an amazing piece. To recap, we've gone from have children to keep your beauty in this world, to maybe my poems can help too, to perhaps a sudden realisation that genetics aren't always predictable, so let's double down on the poetry. In 19, we go another step further. Now that 18 has established a permanent save point for the beloved, the speaker gets a little cocky and decides to taunt time itself, placing the beloved explicitly beyond its reach. Sonnet 19 Devouring time, blunt thou the lion's paws, and make the earth devour her own sweet brood. Pluck the keen teeth from the fierce tiger's jaws, and burn the long-lived phoenix in her blood. Make glad and sorry seasons as thou fleetest, and do whate'er thou wilt, swift-footed time, to the wide world and all her fading sweets. But I forbid thee one most heinous crime. O carve not with thy hours my love's fair brow, nor draw no lines there with thine antique pen. Him in thy course untainted do allow, for beauty's pattern to succeeding men. Yet do thy worst, old time, despite thy wrong, my love shall in my verse ever live young. I'll conclude this episode with Sonnet 29, in which the speaker attempts to describe the disparity between the value of being loved and of all worldly aspirations. It celebrates the power of love to grant transcendence, and to fundamentally and utterly reframe the world for the better. Sonnet 25 follows a similar theme, but is more militaristic in its imagery, whereas I find this one a little more heartfelt. When in disgrace with fortune and men's eyes, I all alone beweep my outcast state, and trouble deaf heaven with my bootless cries, and look upon myself and curse my fate. 
Wishing me like to one more rich in hope, Featured like him, like him with friends possessed, Desiring this man's art and that man's scope, With what I most enjoy contented least. Yet in these thoughts, myself almost despising, Haply I think on thee, and then my state, Like to the lark at break of day arising, From sullen earth, sings hymns at heaven's gate. For thy sweet love remembered, such wealth brings, That then I scorn to change my state, with kings. Requisite Words is an Inklings production. Find out more at inklings.co.nz or follow us on Twitter at Requisite Words. Opening music is Be Chillin' by Alexander Nakarada. If you enjoy listening, don't forget to give us a review on your favourite podcast app and let us know what you'd like to hear more of.